1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massingale, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green, presented by Mosing Motorcars. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City.
2: Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are live here in our hometown of Austin, Texas. This is John Massengill. That's Les Kaiser. Yeah. And the third member of our gang, Jonathan Green, is going to be joining us here momentarily from New Zealand. And he's down there for the Toyota Racing Series. But we want to... Let me run down what we got on the show tonight. We have a great guest. We have Lawson Ochenbach, who is going to be running in the Daytona, the Rolex 24 hours at Daytona in a week. Can you believe it's already here, Les? I mean, the racing season is upon us, baby. Already, finally. <laughs> I know it just seems like Christmas is done. About new
0: Year's. And- I don't care about all the you know Presidents' Days, all that. Let's get back to racing. Uh,
2: I am with you with that, with that buddy. Um, also, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have one of the boys from Ducati Austin on the line. We're gonna uh, have Vito join us because he's gonna talk about the new Panigale that's come out. When 210 horsepower is not enough, you go bigger. <laughs> you, you go, And, you know, uh, it's exactly what the Panigale needed was more power. Yeah, really yeah you know, I can't power. tell you how
0: many times I've heard somebody say that. Not. <laughs>
2: yeah, so, yeah, Vito's going to join us here in just a few minutes. Uh, Lawson at 730, Vito here in a few minutes. And, of course, Jonathan Green is down at the uh, the Toyota Racing Series. In fact, he is on the line. Mr. Jonathan Green, how's it going, buddy?
1: Hey guys, how
2: are you? We're doing great. How is it? How's it going down there in New Zealand?
3: Can you hear me? Yeah. Well, while you're freezing the tushes off over there, I'm, we've got record heat here. It's the hottest uh, January record here.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, we could use it. Finally, warmed up here over the weekend. We finally, finally hit upper sixty, so it's kind of back to normal here, but. But yeah, once you get us caught up a little bit, give us—I know you got some interviews that you did down there, and uh, I, you know, I guess we're—how far are we in on the season over there? I mean, it's the compressed five-week season of the Toyota Racing Series. Get us up to speed.
3: Okay, well, we are two weeks in, uh, therefore six races, because it's a mini season of fifteen races, five weeks as you just. And uh, so we're, we're kind of almost at the halfway point in the season, um, because of this week, we're back in Auckland, um, to do the third round, which will take us to the halfway point, um, and downs. We just come back from the southernmost, uh, motor racing track in the world. Only Antarctica left afterwards, so there's no one there. Um, So we were in Invercargill, which is on the southern coast of the South Island of New Zealand. Plenty of penguins, plenty of uh, wildlife, and a beautiful part of the world. And it was sunny too. Um, And we had three great races. Uh, We've got a really interesting field this year. I've never seen a more um, clean, hard racing group of young men. They're not crashing into each other. They're not crashing out. They're driving smoothly, which means there's not a lot of overtaking at the moment, but um, I think the lid's going to come off here at Hampton this weekend because uh, it's all been kind of one-way traffic, but a new kid has just stepped up, Clement Novelac, who is sounding, as you might think, a Frenchman, but he's actually from Great Britain. His um, parents were from France and Switzerland, and he grew up in Great Britain, so he's claiming to be British and will take him because he's awesome. He's an ex-car <laughs> champion, uh, car champion. And he's won his first race um, in a championship which had, up until that point, been dominated by one team. And he is in the Giles team. And so he's finally started winning. And um, I think he's going to be a real factor. And this is his first ever car racing series.
2: Wow, first time ever in a series. And he's already got his first win. That's pretty awesome. Where did you say he was from, Jonathan?
3: Well, he's from uh, Great Britain. Uh, and he's going to be racing for Trevor Carlin uh, this year. Um And uh, but his he's, his background is he's, he grew up in France and in uh, Switzerland, so he's kind of multicultural. Um, so he can speak perfect French, but um, he's um, he's British, and when you talk to him, he sounds British. Uh, and obviously, he wanted to take it on the best, and so he's come come to Britain, got his license in Britain, and uh, yeah, for all intents and purposes, he's from Great Britain. The other winner, and as you know, we're going to put put his in interview on, was an American who's also from Ecuador. So born in Ecuador, but an American through and through. He has a Stars and Stripes suit on. You can't miss him. And his name is Juan Manuel Correa. And he's a really nice kid. Uh, And he's about to go and enter GP3 uh, this season. And he, too, got his first win in the Toyota Racing Series. Uh, And he, too, is an ex-carp world champion. So um, we've got some real talent down here. And we've got Americans amongst them.
2: Well, that is fantastic to hear that we've got some American representation down there and doing well and winning races. And, well, so what about, uh, you know, Jonathan, we talked about early uh, last week, I guess, or week before, talking about the favorites to win and all those. And, you know, where are you seeing versus, what are you seeing play out after a few races now versus what was expected?
3: Well, yeah, uh, to be honest, it, it is going to straight-to-form guide. M2 competition um, has the biggest team, and they also have probably the most uh, experienced uh, drivers. They've got uh, two Ferrari Academy drivers. Um, and that is Marcus Armstrong of New Zealand, who raced in the series last year and went on to win the Italian Formula Four championship and was runner up in the ADAC German uh, Formula Four championship. We have uh Schwartzman from Russia. Uh, and SMP Racing from Petersburg in Russia, and he too is a Ferrari Academy driver. Um, and we all know that Ferrari don't mess about with that kind of uh, stuff. They they get the best guys that they can. And the third driver is um, a name you'll remember from last year. He was with the Red Bull um, Red Bull Junior team. Uh, his name from the Netherlands is Richard Veshaw. and um, he's come back again this season. Uh, sadly, he's been dropped from the um, Red Bull. Um, junior team, but that, but, because he didn't have a great Formula Renault series. So he is on undetermined form. He's already won a race. And really, the championship, I would say, is probably going to end up between those three teammates and this new kid, Novalak, uh, with a few others, um, sort of, you know, making up the, 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 the podiums and so on. So we've got a real three way battle between teammates. And, and what's interesting is that obviously the two Ferrari Academy guys, want to beat each other and they're also going to be teammates this season in the summer Um, so they really are getting a a taste of what's to come as it were and they're pretty close but at the moment it's the Kiwi Um, and of course everybody's electrified down here with Brendan Hartley going to Formula 1 so there's a big buzz uh, and it's the Kiwi that's leading them and this year we've got five Kiwis in in the series Uh, and they're all holding their own, some are more experienced than others but it's Marcus Armstrong of Christchurch who leads the way at the month
2: uh, it's funny, somebody was just asking me about the Toyota Racing Series, uh, the, about the 86s. And I know that, uh, now they've already finished yeah. that side of the championship, right? The, the, 80, the, the 10 tops, the, uh, those are already done, right?
3: No. Um, in actual fact, um, they, they, they are on the same... Um, the same schedule? Uh, weekends uh, as we run the Toyota Series. Yeah, same schedule. Uh, they're not going to be here this weekend, uh, this coming weekend, but they were there last weekend. Uh, and funnily enough, I mentioned that there's two Kiwis, or five Kiwis in total. Two of them have come from that championship. So we've got last year's 86 champion, Ryan Yardley, and last year's um, runner-up, reed Harkin. So they're trying uh, the Toyota Racing Series, the International Series, for the first time. And they've stepped from 86 to um, the single-seaters and taking on the rest of the world. So it's a real task. Uh, they're not the classic carters. They come up through tin but it just shows you how good the 86 championship is. Um, when these guys are on their own, they're not—they're not—they're um, not winning anything yet, um, and they're learning their way. But they're not crashing either. Um, they are they know—they're you know, making their way and learning. They've got good engineers. They've got good um, top international engineers and mechanics. So it's a big step up for them. But um, yeah, that 86 championship is is proving to be a really good breeding ground uh, for young drivers.
2: Well, and if you don't know what that the 86 is, the Toyota 86. Here in the United States they call it the FRS and it 's also basically the uh, almost virtually identical the Subaru Brz which I mean this is a really popular car uh track car because it handles just phenomenal you know the the dig on it a little bit is kind of like a miata that it's uh, that it's underpowered but you know it's one of those cars where you, it's such a blast to drive it's you know it's less you would be a good uh, person to ask about this because it's it's just like the Miata where it's just handles so smoothly and amazing but and, and you forget about the power in a way because it's it does drive so well
0: well, it's predictable and it's balanced. that's what you want in any race car for one, but then when you get it on the street, it just makes it that much more fun and so yes the the toyota the eighty six is a phenomenal little car, real well drive. You know, yeah, good point. it really took the, uh, I'll say, you know, the people that wanted true sports cars, this is really appealing to them. And it's been out a few years now and, you know, check them out on the used market. They're getting pretty reasonable if you don't go grab a new one, but, uh, they're great little track cars, very reliable being Toyota drivetrain, just a, yeah. just a cool car.
3: Yeah, and it's a, it really is the best of Toyota and the best of Subaru. They've got a boxer engine in it, and it really is. I mean, we've you know, two great names in motor in both motor racing and in car making. Uh, I've driven the, the race car, actually, uh, on a track uh, here in New Zealand a couple of years ago, and it really is, as, as Les says, it, it's, it's so well-balanced, and I'm no racing driver, um, but I was able to, you know, to, to, to get my head around it very quickly, and, and even though I wasn't fast, it was just a joy to drive. Um, and in fact, actually, our, our sponsors, Dirtfish, uh, if you go to the rally school up in Seattle, um, that's their rear wheel drive rally school training uh, car, the BNT. So, you know, um, you can actually it just shows you if they're going to use it at a rally school, it's obviously, um, you know, the, a simple car to get your head round. But obviously, rallying is a whole different ballgame.
2: Yeah. Well, Jonathan, we're going to take a break. Um... And, uh, you know, before we do, though, the one thing we hadn't talked about, though, is that rear wheel drive, like you mentioned, the six speed manual is stock. I mean, is is the uh, the standard transmission, the automatic is the optional yep, transmission. Yep. So that's why this is such a great little track car. But, Jonathan, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the new Ducati Panagali with the boys from Ducati, Austin. You're listening to Speed City live here in Austin, back after these messages.
4: Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory-authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the world supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I 35.
1: Mosing Motorcars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motorcars, 2420 West Breaker Lane, online at mosingmotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motorcars. Drive yourself happy.
4: Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack feel confident behind the wheel, don't matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it, we'll make you better.
1: Hey Austin, wake up and fly right on Talk 1370. Hi,
5: I'm Andrei De Vistoso, and this is Speed to the City.
1: Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motorcars.
2: Welcome back to Speed City, and Hi. we are very excited. to yeah, that's
0: a that's a great return. Very appropriate. What's that, Andre Dovizioso. Oh yeah, Andre also,
2: gonna... Of course, it's a very good. And I don't know if the producers did that on purpose or not. I think oh, they're getting he's, good he's enough. He's that
0: smart. Yeah.
2: So we are very excited to have our next guest on the phone because the the new uh, Ducati Panigale is about to, to be released. And the boys from Ducati Austin Vito, welcome back to Speed City, buddy. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Doing Excited great. to have you,
0: man. I want to hear all about this bad boy. Now, now, let me let me preface this a little bit. Okay, if you're going to see the new top bike that everybody is talking about for the race season and for the street, where do you want to see it? You want to see it close to the Circle of Americas, and the closest yeah. we're going to have Thursday night. Is right there in Ducati Austin's showroom, man, Vito. You, that you must have predicted this years ago when you put Ducati Austin there.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We planned on having a track,
2: <laughs> a Formula One GP truck. He
0: knows good people. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, so tell us about the. Tell us first of all, tell us about the event, so we can, uh, and then we'll talk about the bike.
6: Yeah, so uh, we're one of four exclusive dealers in the United States that's having a preview of. Uh, the new 18 models so it's going to include the Panigale V4 the new scrambler 1100 the new monster 821 the new multistrada 1260 and a new variation of the X Diavel
0: oh man the that- Diavel again uh oh, just gets better every time
2: they just yeah. make it painful for you less to come and visit well, so let's, you know, obviously the the big bad boy, the Panigale, jump into that thing and tell us, uh, tell us what the differences are, and we got to know the numbers, too, because the, the horsepower numbers are just astounding. 210 horsepower was
0: not enough. Yeah.
6: No, no, no. So uh, they're doing the press release this week in uh, Valencia, Spain, I think it is. The horsepower on the bike is going to be 214, uh, but if you get a V4 Special, it's going to come with a full Akrapovic system. It bumps it up to 226. So it should ultimately have probably the best power-to-weight ratio of any of the current superbikes that are going to be out there.
2: So what was that little system you said that adds that extra horsepower? What does that entail?
6: So it's a a Kropovich race kit, which is the full titanium exhaust system.
2: That's awesome. And uh, obviously that's probably a little bit of weight reduction as well.
6: Yeah, it's going to probably drop uh, probably 10 kilograms.
2: Well, as we know, after talking to everybody in uh, – well, we were talking to the F1 guys last year, and they were talking about grams. I mean, we're talking – Formula One car is talking about grams. So uh, any amount of weight in this high level of machinery makes a big difference.
6: Yeah, it sure does because, you know, one of the big things about this bike, being that it's a V4 motor, it's going to be a little bit heavier than the 1299 that it's replacing. But they've done a lot of things with mass centralization – how the engine's developed, where the engine's located, the length of the swing arm, the new chassis, that are really going to help with that, you know, the difference in the weight to still make the bike one of the best, quickest handling machines out there.
0: You know, if I remember correctly, the uh, the twin version of it was around 360 pounds, and we're looking at 381 with this. Right. Wow. Yeah, the V4 yeah, the, uh, the
6: was, or, I mean, the 1299 was, 367. This one's a little bit higher, you know, but like I said, the motor's another, uh, what, almost 15, uh, 20 horsepower more. And, the, you know, the big thing about the motor is that it's a counter-rotating crank. It's still 90 degrees. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like their MotoGP bike with um, the Twin Pulse Big Bang-style engine with the 70-degree offset crank which is going to make it really a a nice handling bike This is the first v4 that's in production that's going to have a powder rotating crank which makes the uh, the engine spins backwards to the direction of the wheel to reduce gyroscopic effect Uh,
2: so was that the big motivation for the the big change to the v4 uh you
6: know the big motivation was because you know the future rules in world superbike are going to go to a thousand cc's ultimately and no, the 1299 ever could race in World Superbike. They're running still the Panigale R, which is an 1100cc motor or 1200cc motor. And, and it just sort of reached to the point where it, it was, it was getting prohibitive to keep on the development of that bike and be competitive with the, especially if the displacement's going down. And, uh, you know, the MotoGP bike been so successful, especially in the last year, you know, like I said with Andrea, you won six races, which they're on the bike.
2: Well and this is a, a classic example right of the technology trickling down from racing uh, particularly from MotoGP into to street bikes and and then I guess like you're saying back you know it's it's all you know because it's Ducati uh you know small specialized manufacturer that it's kind of all the same thing the street bikes and race bikes I mean I know that that you, if you put them side by side there's not it's not like there's that many parts but still there's a lot of crossover right
6: Yeah there is quite a bit and and Ducati's really the only, only manufacturers that uses the same Bale train on their street bikes that they use on their MotoGP and World Superbikes.
0: You know, the, folks, the thing that's so cool about this is when I get to go out and play on, on them, you get to feel like a hero or something here, but this bike far exceeds my talents. But I'll tell you, you come up like what they're talking about on the new ones. Okay, you know, it's got a couple of power modes. Those are awesome. Uh, it's got... Bosch Cornering ABS, that's pretty advanced stuff there. Ducati's Traction Control, which I've never experienced. <laughs> Ducati's Wheelie Control, which I've never experienced.
2: Uh, I, can, I can testify <laughs> to the opposite of that. I'm sorry. I, I may even have video.
0: No, sir. I know good people. <laughs> Ducati Slide Control, Engine Brake Control, and Auto Tire Calibration. Wait a minute. What is Auto Tire Calibration? <laughs> Vito?
6: So, that is the bike comes with Pirelli tires, and industry tires, but if you go to the track or you say you want to run different brands, traditionally slicks are a different aspect, of it, so they're a little bit taller. The tire calibration oh. basically allows you to run a slick, and it recalibrates all the track control, all the electronics on the bike, so that you still have the same performance and the same uh, – all the, all the traction control, wheelie control, and braking, all those still function properly.
2: Yeah, so basically, it it just knows that you have a new tire height, and it makes all the Correct. adjustments accordingly. How does that work? Does it? Do you just do you push put in the the parameters manually?
6: No, no, no. All you need to do is uh, put the bike in race mode, get it into tire calibration mode, start traveling, put it into second gear at thirty miles an hour. And it'll start the calibration process in about fifteen seconds. It'll do the calibration. Done and you're
0: right to go.
2: Wow, that's cool. how, did, how does it work? I got to know more about this. Okay, does, I, I'm thinking
0: circumference. I'm uh, yeah. thinking it knows yeah. its RPM at 30 miles per hour and it, it's already done all that. How does it work, Vito? This is cool. Tell us, Mister Know It All. <laughs>
6: uh, being it, uh, I may be an engineer, but I don't have all the secrets of the Italian factory. Yeah, uh, yeah, they don't they, they don't they don't share that with us on the uh, algorithms. So that's that's really the secret sauce. Of the okay,
2: well, still that's cool, man. That that's. I mean, we've all okay. had, we've all wanted to change tires for whatever reason, and then you have to either recalibrate,
0: however you do it. So. Okay, but but think of the guys that go to track days, and they're out at Coda, and you know they brought their their track day tires with them, and they're putting them on. Well, they can now recalibrate, and, and like I said, in, in fifteen twenty seconds, rather than guessing how they're going to change and adjust their own traction control, adjust their of control, all of those things. That's that's magic, Italian magic, I guess. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Well, so what's going to happen at the event on uh, uh, what's what night? You said Thursday Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night. What what all is going to happen? I mean, are we gonna? There's going to be free motorcycles for everyone.
6: Yeah, free motorcycles, (laughs) free test rides. uh, Yeah, no, everything. (laughs) No, what it's going to be is uh, Thursday from six to eight p.m. We're going to have an unveiling of the bikes. Uh, We'll have you know there'll be refreshments, food, drinks, and of course being uh, an Italian, we'll have prosecco and Italian wine and uh, beer or the evening but it, it'll be the unveiling of the bikes unfortunately there won't be any test rides but the bikes uh, we'll be able to display show you the dash how it works on the bike and some of the other bikes will be runners but these are precise the v4s so there'll be a v4s the v4 the speciale which is the top of the line with the new tricolore paint scheme
2: yeah. Well, Vito, um, Jonathan Green is on the line as well. He's down in New Zealand and he has a question for you and about uh, Superbikes and MotoGP. Go ahead, Mr. Green. Hey.
4: Hey, Vito, how are you, my man? Hey, Giuseppe.
3: <laughs> 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 hey, listen, I keep looking outside my hotel and i just not arrived yet. But the, yeah, I'm going to drive around right on, I mean, around New Zealand though.
6: Oh, I thought you were in
3: Australia, so I sent it there. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. <laughs> hey, no, listen. I wanted to ask you. What do you think? you mentioned the six wins from MotoGP last year. What about Ducati at both levels, World Superbike and um, MotoGP next year? How? What's the confidence amongst uh, the Bologna Bullet uh, folks and the on how you guys going to get on this year?
6: I think it's going to be, you know going to be a tough year andrea was sort of a, a surprise for a lot of people i mean it's been consistently good and you know, excuse me <clears throat> uh lorenzo he, he's progressed through the whole year so i think i think they're going to do well overall they just released the bike um you know of course you're not showing what the final fairing's going to look like and everything until after testing so i think they'll be competitive again excuse me i got a little bit of the cedar allergy <clears throat> um and Will Superbike Chaz had an outstanding year, and Marco, you know, had a win, too. So I, I think it's going to be a competitive year for both teams.
3: Okay. And um, one last question. What about Maro America? Are we going to see Ducati at the level of 20 years ago when they were dominating the Americancy? Um We've had some private entries, but we haven't had, uh, you know, a, full, a full-on attack by Ducati.
6: No, I, I, I don't think that's in the cards this year. i don't really not privy to the information, but it, from what I've seen right now, uh, there's not going to be a Moto America team. Possibly, you know, I hope with the V4 coming out, it, it'll be, uh, you know, something that will be developing in next year. So when the, probably there'll be another version, of course, because this current V4 is uh, 1,103 cc. And to fit into the new racing categories, they'll probably have to yeah. develop a 1,000 cc.
2: Well, Vito, we really appreciate you coming on the show, buddy. And uh, Jonathan, hold on, buddy, and we'll get you back on here in just a second. But uh, Vito, thanks a lot for calling in. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you out there on Thursday night and look forward to getting you back on the phone to talk about MotoGP and World Superbikes during the season.
6: All right. Thanks, guys, for having me on. All right. Take
0: care.
2: Talk to you soon.
6: Bye-bye.
0: Like I said, it's always cool because Ducati knows exactly where Ducati Austin is located, especially being right here next to Coda and uh you know, I'm going to tell you that is the place you want to be for the kickoff of MotoGP race week is Ducati Austin. You yep. never know who walks in. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break, but we're very
2: excited because after the break, we have Lawson Oschenbach coming up to talk about racing down at the 24 hours of Daytona next week. Very excited. Listen to Speed City here in Austin. Back after these messages.
4: racetrack. It's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it, we'll make you better.
1: Danny Walker from American Supercamp and the Broster Chicken Road Race Factory team, and you are listening to Speed City, so get your elbows up. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. All right,
2: welcome back. We are very excited because uh, two reasons. One, we got the race season getting started really here and worldwide is. Finally. Rolex 24 at Daytona is kind of the, everybody's going, all right, it's, it's about time. We're about to kick off the real race season here. And so, and of course we'll be, everyone will be set up with televisions and computer screens and phones and everything else watching 20, as much of that 24 hours as they can. But our next guest will be participating in the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. And we're very excited to welcome Lawson Aschenbach back to the show. Welcome, Lawson. I appreciate you coming back on. Hey. Well, we're excited to have you, buddy. And uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, we are... We we want to talk about. I mean, Al Lawson's got a fantastic career racing in the uh, in the Pirelli World Challenge and in the IMSA WeatherTech Series. Won the, the championship in the Pirelli World Challenge last year, and back in the Acura NSX for Michael Shank Racing this year. Uh, and I'm assuming you were down at the roar getting ready as well.
7: Yeah, yeah, that was um, obviously it's an, a very important test for everybody because it's really the only time that that all the drivers get to work together. You know, the team it's had a long off season and all of us are kind of feeling each other out, making sure everything's good to go, but it was a very productive test, very positive test, uh, excited about the potential of the NSX and the Michael Schenk racing, the team it has done such a flawless job this off season in preparing everything. And I'm just very excited about our, our, um, you know, our potential for this race. We've got great, a great driver lineup. And, um, you know, as long as we, uh, do our jobs and, and stay focused, I think we're going to have a good shot to win this race.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see that NSX in its sophomore, the second season, right? With the NSX, right?
7: Yeah. I'm excited yes, because year.
2: I think mean, it's weird. I was thinking it wasn't three years, but last year, I mean, there were flashes of, of, of brilliance and, and, you know, obviously a brand new car. Got the,
0: got the rookie butterfly shakedown. Yeah, done exactly. And now we're ready to run. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to see what this car can do. So I got to ask Lawson, have you uh, had the opportunity to sneak the uh, keys out of Michael Shank's hands to his street car? <laughs> <laughs> we did finally find it after you couldn't find one. We found out where it went.
7: <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely something that I may have to do this year. I'll promise you that. Uh, that you know the street is such a beautiful car. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you know, I, I've obviously been fortunate enough to drive the race car, but. Uh, You know, I think the race car, it just looks so good. It's got such a, such a sexy uh, lines, you know, it's got good power. I've heard a lot of great things about it. Mike talks about it all the time. So we know, we know Acura hit the nail on the head on this NFX. So it'd be nice to be nice to maybe get one for myself, if you know what I mean.
0: I I think I do know what you mean. Well, (laughs) I wanted to check with you, Lawson. So this year coming up, we're looking at a couple of things, like I said, settling out the rookie year bugs or entry year bugs. What kind of things? do you as a driver expect from the car different for this year?
7: Well, you know, last year, obviously, I didn't get to drive the car. I was in a, a different with a different team and a different make. But you saw the progression of the car from the start of the season to the end of the season. I mean, they were not sure they were going to be able to finish the 24-hour, you know, to winning races, you know, competing for the championship the rest of the year. And I think it, it's definitely a testament to everybody at HPD, everybody at Acura, Everybody at Michael Shank Racing and all the drivers they had last year. I mean, they did such a great job of trying to make this car a proven winner, and I think they did that. So now fast forward to this year, you know, the team has had some time with it. They've been able to evaluate data, uh, not just the team, but also everybody, HPD and Acura. And I think, you know, we've kind of been able to refine things a little bit more coming into this year. And I think it's going to make us even stronger than they were last year. So I'm, I'm very excited about the potential, like I said, about this car. And, um, you know, this this team, I mean, it's really firing on all cylinders. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of a lot of different programs, but Michael Schenck is, has this team tuned, you know, um, to exactly what they need to do to make sure you know, we all can be successful.
2: Well, what about the Roar? You know, we touched on it when we first brought you on, but tell us about what you what you guys accomplished at the Roar. Maybe any surprises mm-hmm. there, or any, any uh, good or bad?
7: Well, I'd say we actually, surprisingly, rolled off the trailer really fast. I mean, you never really know when you get to Daytona because it seems like every year the grip level changes. So, you know, whether... Mm-hmm the roar is low grip and then the race weekend is is high grip or or like last year it was very high grip during the roar and then a little bit low grip when we got to the race weekend. And it seemed to be a little bit similar to that coming into 2018. So we rolled off the trailer really fast. I mean, all the engineers did a great job of putting a a solid baseline setup on the car. Uh, You know, we honestly didn't really deviate to it from it too much. It was just a matter of kind of fine tuning some things. You know, this car has, as, you know, quite a, quite a nice, uh, torque curve on it with the turbos and so forth. And so you got to make sure you work on that power down at, a, at up every corner. And, um, and on top of that, you know, everybody is constantly working on being able to brake late, but also carry a little bit of speed through the corners because these GT3 cars have quite a bit of downforce on them. And, and when you can roll that speed through the bus stop, um, that's going to be an important key to being able to pass people or at least stay with people in the draft. When you come to the start finish line, so you know we're constantly balancing that high speed versus low speed. You know, you 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 want the the braking stability and the power on grip level, you know, in the low speed stuff, but you want that high speed stability and that ability to kind of roll speed to the corner, which is going to realistically going to want a a stiffer platform. So um, it's a bit of a give or take, but. You know, for us, like I said, it was really just a matter of kind of fine tuning a couple of things. We made a couple of changes. We lost, <clears throat> excuse me, we lost a little bit of track time. So, you know, going into that qual that sort of fake qualifying session, we didn't, we didn't quite have what, what I think we were capable of. But, you know, that's the way it goes in racing. So I've no doubt we'll, uh, we'll fix things for the race and we'll be good to go.
2: And sometimes you guys may not show everything that you're capable of, right? T- <laughs> <laughs> Some t- that's that's what the roar is all about, too, as well. But um, we'll talk about, about you about this week coming up. What does it look like for mm-hmm. you Because uh, and your teammates, too, because obviously you, you're sharing the rides and, and sharing mm-hmm. that 24 hours. Talk a little bit about the Daytona and, and, you know, what makes it special, too.
7: Well, I'd say first and foremost, I and mean, this is one of the most iconic races, and all of sports car racing. Yeah. You know, everybody knows what the Rolex twenty four is all about. It's a some it's it's a it's a race that every driver dreams of winning and 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 is willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So I, I have not won one myself, but I'm fortunate to have some teammates that have, and Justin Marks and um I think somebody, I think one or two other guys have won a couple or won one of these races. So oh AJ Almondanger, I mean, so he knows all about it. Yeah, but when you show up to the race weekend, there's always a little bit of you know butterflies, right? We're all we're all professionals here, but it's not so much butterflies as being nervous about driving the car. I think it's really just a, an excitement that you get when you drive through those tunnels and, and you head up into the infield in Daytona and you look at the track, you see all the stands, you see the track, the, the banking, you see cars ripping around there. It, it's an amazing feeling, and there's so much history at a place like that it's you know you yeah. you want you want your name on the record books in the end, and so you know a little bit of the the pre event stuff you know we're doing a lot of training, and um you know we should probably touch on this with my teammate justin marks with his uh, his quick little trip down to South America to climb a mountain <laughs> but <laughs> but uh <clears throat> but you know i I think we're we're always focused on making sure our body and our mind is in the right place to be able to attack that 24 hours at a high level throughout the entire event. And when you're called upon, you know, at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. for those two-hour stints, maybe a triple stint, you got to be ready to do that. So I I have no doubt that all all the drivers here are, are capable of doing that. We're all working hard, training hard. We're all working together, which is a very important thing for an endurance race. So, um, so yeah, you know it, it's tough. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of behind the scenes work that people don't don't see, but you know it ends up paying off in the end when you when you've you know stepped on the podium after the race.
2: Yeah, and having your name on a trophy like that, I I mean I, we get it how special that is, and the guys that actually get to put that Rolex on their wrist too. I mean that mm-hmm. I, I know that that's such a big deal, and oh the, yeah, and
0: this is such a special race absolutely and you know the thing that amazes me is is yes it is 24 hours long the florida weather uh, can change very quickly you know at the moment there there you've got a 50% chance of rain saturday afternoon up to an 80% midday sunday so uh, bring your waiters i think you're going to need them <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah well you got to remember it is florida so yeah so by the time we get to the race it'll probably be 100% at the race start and zero after about 3 hours so you you never yeah, You never know in Florida, but, but you know, in these 24-hour races, you know, I mean, the conditions are the conditions. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it, so we have to be ready for, for anything that's thrown at us. And I think the Acuras showed very well last year that their car is quite quick in the rain, which which is something that I'm pretty excited about trying out this year at some point. Yeah. So, you know, I think regardless of rain or dry, I think we've we've definitely got a good package here that we can win. And, um, you know, again, we've got drivers that have been been able to experience all these conditions before. I mean, last year was kind of interesting for me because the car that we were running, you know, we struggled a little bit to get tire temp, especially in the rain tires. And I remember starting a stint on a brand new set of tires. It was extremely cold. I mean, it was probably 30 or 40 degrees, you know, full wet. And it took the entire stint to get the the tire temps and the pressures up up to really operating, you know, our optimal operating uh, pressure and temps. So it was a very difficult stint. And, you know, you're kind of wondering, like, what the heck is going on right now? But that's just the way it goes. And then you kind of learn that, well, you know, we should probably start double stinning or triple stinting tires. And these are some of the things that will happen throughout the race that, you know, you have to be ready and you have to sort of take advantage of, of something that you've learned and that's why we have these great engineers and great data guys and you know in our car we got mike shank right up there on the box calling the strategy um, to make sure we're all in line and doing the right thing so it, it's there is so much more to this race than, than i think the fans and the tv viewers see but uh you know it just makes it all that more worth it when you win it
0: and i think the the respect internationally is uh is really growing
7: yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, we talk about it being a special event and last you talk about and respect internationally, you know, guys like Fernando Alonso, who, uh, you know, who are coming to this race this year, wanting to do, to experience all the things you're talking about. It is that yep. special of a race, you know, I mean, yep. he, he can do anything he wants, right. Or nothing <laughs> and, at all. Indy 500 Formula One. And, and he wants to be here at this race too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is, this is really a special thing and, and don't get us wrong. You know, we're, We're radio guys, but we're fans. And when this comes around... I mean, I, I have a special spot at my house where I set up all the computer and get it all set up and I'm watching all hours of the night and, you know, right. the, the life does get in the way a little bit. So if I've got to go somewhere <laughs> with the family, I typically have the phone going with one earbud in and shaking my head, yes, honey, and the other, you know, so it, it is a big, big deal for the fans too. And I think, it, I think it's more so even than it, than it has been or it feels like there's been momentum in the last few years anyway.
7: Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I think if you just just look, just look at the prototype class, for instance. I mean, you got teams like Penske coming in. Yeah,
5: yeah, you know? good and I point. think
7: that's that's a big deal for this for this series, but also the sport because I've been saying this for years, and you probably heard me say this on your show before. You know, I felt like sports car racing is. Is at this ground floor, this explosion that we're going to see over the next number of years. In the end, I think it's the purest form of motorsports. You know, you've got mm-hmm. these GT Le Mans cars, GTD cars, or GT3 cars. You know that that people can relate to. They can actually buy those cars on Monday. Yep. So that buy on Sunday, win on mentality or sorry, the buy-on, or uh, win-on-Sunday, on, win on buy-on-Monday mentality really does mean something to these manufacturers, and that's why I think it's been so successful, and you see how many manufacturers are getting involved, and, and I think it's caught the eye of some of these big teams and these big drivers like Alonzo, like Penske, you know, Castroneves. I mean, you know, these guys, Juan Mo, not to mention Juan Montoya, and, and everybody else that's in the prototype class, too. I mean, you've got great drivers like, you know, Jordan Taylor, Ricky Taylor, um, you know, a lot of other, a lot of other greats out there. So I'm excited because I think that sports car racing is finally starting to get the exposure and the recognition it, it deserves in, in America. You know, it's very big in Europe. It's very big overseas, but over here, it still hasn't quite gotten to over that hump. And I think we're starting to get there right now. Yep. And so I think you, you know, I know we're talking right now, but I think you start, you start looking at, you know, a couple more years down the road with all these teams and all these drivers and, and, manufacturers involved i think we're, we're at the start of something that's really exciting and it's going to it's going to be uh you know it's going to be an important force in the world of motorsports you know, for the next number of years
2: yeah how many how many times when we talk to you know somebody we haven't met we say oh do you do motorsports oh what kind of you know do you talk nascar and i was well we right. do we do but we primarily don't we primarily talk all the other things than nascar and mm-hmm. some of them are really hard for people to get their head around. Somebody turns on a Formula One race for the first time, they're completely lost. You turn on the Rolex, and you look up. Maybe you pulled up in the driveway in a in a Porsche or a or an Acura right. or a, or whatever, and you go, "Oh wow!" I'm instantly I'm I'm excited about that because there's my car, you know. And and there's a mm-hmm. there's a whole grid full of those. So there's it's easy to get excited. And, I mean, obviously we, you and I know, and all of us insiders, we know how complex it is. Like you said, engineers and setup and all that. But mm-hmm. somebody could easily just jump right in and go, wow, that's a cool looking car. You immediately I- feel like
0: they've got a relationship or yep. something in it.
2: Yep, exactly.
7: Yep. Easy to find yep. a, a, somebody to root for, no doubt. You know, that that's, uh, kind of brings up a, a memory of mine. I was at a race in, in Austin, Texas one year. And I was coaching someone, so I was up in the stands, kind of looking at some stuff. And I'll never forget—I was surrounded by a bunch of people, a bunch of fans, like local people, and a lot of them had their kids there, and some of the adults too. You know, they're seeing a McLaren go by, and they're seeing a Lamborghini go by, and a Ferrari, and an Aston Martin, and and whatever. And they're—they're—I mean, the kids jumping up, and down, like, "Yeah, look at the Ferrari go by!" or, or "Look at the Acura go by!" or "Look at the Mercedes go by." And and you start to see that, that excitement that I think a lot of other motorsports lack. Because yep. it, as much as we would like to say that that it's all about the drivers and the teams and all this stuff, but in the end the cars do matter. They matter. Oh absolutely. And and, and if you don't have that intimate relationship with those cars or at least the excitement that you get out of seeing these, you know, high performance sports cars on track, you know, you're you don't really have much to sell. Yeah. So so I love it. I, I really do. And I, I, I've i been a big advocate for this type of racing for a long time, and I hope to see it continue to grow.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, even – and I think we talked about it last year. You know, I, I pulled up behind a, a ZL1 Camaro, and it was like, okay, I'm going to be on his rear bumper just to make him mash a little harder. And just <laughs> so I could see, and he did. And he obliged, and I saw the taillights disappear. <laughs>
7: <laughs> but uh, I like the, I like I like hearing it's a Camaro too. So <laughs> hey, oh,
0: I know you do. I know you do. But you know the, the, they are they are awesome. The the NSX. I absolutely love the the first generation, and I'm, I'm anxious as we start to see more of those around town. I've seen one here in Austin now, so uh, excited mm, to see right. that grow.
2: Well, and of course it's also a big it's a big festival too. I mean it's a lot of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're a car fan, gearhead, race fan, whatever you are, you're going to enjoy this because there's a lot more to it. It's not just just the race, I mean, there's, there's all the things that go on there and all the, all the vendors and everything else around. So it's a, cool, it's a cool event from start to finish.
7: Yeah, it's a great experience for everybody, for families, you know, uh, adults, kids, you name it. You know, people, people really enjoy coming to these events now because it's pretty relaxed. You know, you can walk around the infield, you can check out all the cars, you can go see different corners, you can go up in the stands if you want. There's places to eat, places to drink, places to do whatever you want. And if you want to go back to your hotel for a couple hours in the middle of the night, you can do that too. So I, I think it's a it's a very fan-friendly event. Um, there's a lot of personalities around, which are cool to see. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, as, as you've mentioned, and I've, I've Going back to it again, but having someone like Alonzo there is is a big deal. I mean, people people are coming for the attraction of, the, of some of these drivers. So, um, I think it's I think it's just such a great event, especially after you you know you go from right from Daytona right into Sebring, you know, two two just massive events that are that are so important yeah. to everybody in this sport is is pretty incredible. So we really start the season off with a bang.
2: Well, I got to ask you, we're almost out of time, I got to ask you, we, we've probably asked you this before, we, we, we've been asking it for race drivers of years, for years now, and, and about half the time it's boring, but sometimes it's really exciting or funny or whatever, but what, what are you driving every day now? And I know the corporate, you've got the Honda guys and Acura behind you, but you, you might be driving something fun or something classic, what do you, what's, uh, what's your fun daily driver?
7: Well, I, honestly, I've got a daddy wagon, so I've got a I've got a GMC Denali as my regular car, but but uh, <laughs> but um, we've heard worse. But I, I do I do have a '69 GTO Judge that uh, I don't get to drive very often. It's actually up in Maryland, but uh, well, but that's, that's cool. It's kind of my my fun little hot rod. I get to drive around every now and then. Well, that's Is pretty that, awesome. Uh,
0: what color? Hugger orange?
7: Oh yeah.
2: Good man. Oh, right on the spot. Yeah. Well, Lawson, Austin, Buck, appreciate you coming back on Speed City. We're here in Austin, and we'll look for you when you guys come around this way. And uh, we, we wish, wish you the best of luck down at the Rolex 24-hours in Daytona.
7: All right. Thanks, guys. Good I appreciate luck, you having me on. Don't, uh, you know, don't, don't hesitate to call me anytime.
0: All right, buddy. Thanks again. Take care. Thanks.
7: All right. Take care
0: nice guy yeah always Good fun car you know, i mean it's been fun we've seen him driving a few different cars you know that's why i reminded him of that zl1 that was, that was yeah. a fun little thing to see happen all right well we
2: got to get a quick break in so we'll be back after these messages and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Tota racing series we'll have one of those interviews and maybe mr jonathan green back on the line you listen to speed city here in austin back after these messages
4: Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the world supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 Envy Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of Envy Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I 35.
1: Mosing Motorcars is Central Texas' source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Mosing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 West Breaker Lane or call 512-821-9491. Or browse the garage online at mosingmotorcars.com. Mosing Motorcars. Drive yourself happy. Catch up on the latest headlines anytime at talk1370.com.
2: My name
4: is Christina Nelson, and this
1: is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosey Motorcars. All
2: right, we're going to go try to go back out to Mr. Jonathan Green down in New Zealand for the Toyota Racing Series. I think he went out and uh, got a burger, came back. Mr. Green, are you still around, buddy?
3: Uh, listen, I'm on a pure kale diet here. My body's a sample.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I know way better than that. I've scarfed it's a burger with a big round dome on it. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, uh, we've got this. Yeah. Inter- we've got this yeah. interview you did, and I want you to set it up for us because uh, uh, this guy Juan Manuel Correa. Uh, I want to. Uh, uh, this is somebody want to keep an eye on. I take it.
3: Yeah, and as you know, we had Cameron Das on the show before the start of the season. He's still okay. He's not pulling up any trees yet, um, but he's learning <laughs> his way, um, the young American. And this is another young American, from um, originally from Ecuador, born in Ecuador, but uh, definitely an American now, and has achieved a great deal in karting over the years. Uh, now making his way in single-seaters, and he's going to be in GP3, so another Santino Ferrucci in the making. If you... Um, But he's won his first touchdown Directly after winning um, Down in Invercargill this weekend
2: Alright well let's hear this interview That you did yesterday or, or earlier today
4: OK, Speed City fans, I'm here with Juan Manuel Correa, who has just completed his first race win in the Toyota Racing Series. First of all, congratulations. Um, just what you needed uh, at this time of the year, because we're just starting out, but you've been competitive in the first round too, so you must be pleased
2: with this.
5: Yeah, um, as I said before, it's finally to, finally good to get a win, because we deserved it with, uh, with the pace we've had in the races. Um, yeah the the guys did a great job from the round before already we just got a bit unlocking quality before and as well in this round we didn't put it all together in qualifying so uh, it's finally great to be where we belong where I think we belong and uh, as soon as we get the quality sorted out for the next rounds we will be up in the top top step again
4: so you are flying the flag for the United States so congratulations but you're originally born in Ecuador tell us a little bit about your background
5: Yeah, I was born in Ecuador, but I lived uh, a long time in America. My dad is American, and uh, my racing career spiraled out of America. I was a national champion in karting in the United States, and then I won the world championship in karting as an American. Um, So I've been racing for the American flag since since then. How many
4: of the other up-and-coming Americans are you aware of, like Gustavo Menezes or Santino
5: Ferrucci and so on? Yeah, I've actually raced against most of them, uh, you know, people like Logan Sargent, uh, Devlin Di Francesco, Santino, I've raced against them, and uh, the few I haven't raced against, I know them from the karting scene back uh, back in the United States, so yeah, we're I know them, all of them, not close with uh, with a lot of them, but uh, I think we all know who who we are. As you say, uh, you, Sargent,
4: have both been right at the top end of karting. How hard is it to go from karting into
5: car racing with slicks and wins? Well I think um, usually if you're, if you're good in the top level of karting in Europe you're most likely going to be a pretty decent driver in single seaters as well you know, the, the step from karting to single seaters is a big one but uh, everyone is on the same boat Everyone that does the step uh, in categories like Formula 4, Formula Renault are most of them are rookies as well so if you have the talent and the skills you should be fine What made you choose coming to New Zealand this year? Just the, the long off-season, you know, I, I didn't want to be inactive for about four months. Um, it's also a great championship, good cars, the level is uh, pretty high. And uh, it's just a good time as well, you know, one and a half months here, who wouldn't uh, like that? <laughs> what are you learning? Well, so far, you know, just getting... To-
2: well, Jonathan, this kid is uh, definitely going to be somebody we need to watch, and we're going to have the full interview. We'll get that out on our SoundCloud account. We're just about out of time. Jonathan, tell us about uh, where we can watch uh, these, the, the uh, Toyota Racing Series these next few rounds.
3: Yeah, um, we are going to be live streaming uh, all the races. So uh, go to our um, Twitter feed, uh, Speedcaster, and uh, we'll let you know exactly the times. We'll put it up as soon as we've got it because there's a different link every every weekend. Uh, but it's live, and it's great, and you can't miss a trick. And then, of course, the actual TV program, which I'm involved in, will be on the market around the world. Uh, we are on a hundred...
2: All right, all right, Jonathan. Thanks, buddy. We got to run just a couple of quick things. The Ducati event this Thursday, and uh, Les and I are going to get to do the Audi track day event out oh, at Circuit of the yeah. Americas pretty quick. And we'll, we'll give talk you guys, all about that. Yeah, we'll give you an update on that. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Talk to you next week.
0: Ciao, y'all.